You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And belly on up to the nine foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. No, wait, check that. Uh, pull your pontoon up next to my pier and crack open a beer. All right, I am up at the uh, lake cottage this week. This is socks in the basement. Um, I, I wish you would have told me that, and, I, and I'll just apologize in advance about the windows. I'll, I'll fix it. Um, but I'm, and I wish you would have stocked the fridge at the bar. Yeah, well, uh, you know what? Listen, through the magic of uh, of podcasting. Uh, I am not with Ed. I, we did this last year, and I pretended I was with Ed. And I felt like I, I felt like a just a deceitful person, and so I, I would say that you, you wore your your shame <laughs> openly after that. But I, I take this week, like in the middle of summer, once a year. My my dad's got this this really nice cottage. We call it a cottage, but in reality, like he started it off as like one of these small prefab homes that they deliver on the back of a truck that he put on land that he had bought like five years earlier. But over the years, it's continued to grow. There's continuously add-ons and things like that. And I'm sitting in this little apartment over the top of his garage, and he keeps a bar in below, right along the waterfront here in Rochester, Indiana, on beautiful Lake Manitow. And if you were paying attention on Twitter on Monday night, we were inadvertently in a snapshot from a listener of uh, Socks in the Basement who was taking a picture on the exact same lake of the sunset. And I was like, that's our boat. And I can only tell that because I know how many people are on our boat, what the boat looks like, and that the fact that my daughter was sitting up in the back of it. So you can see somebody sitting up in the back of it. And this guy just randomly got it, and it was on Twitter. And I saw it and retweeted it from the Socks in the Basement account. So the jig is up. I'm up at the Lake Cottage. And, you know, I needed a break. I needed uh, a chance to just kind of breathe. I needed to get away from the world. I needed to turn off my phone. I needed to skip a few White Sox games. I I feel like... Maybe I should never watch again. You ever you ever watch that that show Tiger Town, that movie Tiger Town about the kid where the Tigers win whenever he's in the stadium? And you're thinking you should only um, you shouldn't watch because they only win when you don't watch. I never watched them when they were in San Francisco. They won all three games. I turned them on just in time for the triple play last night. I'm not even joking. Right. On Monday night, I, I I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, oh. All right, they were winning. Then I see that they're losing. And then I'm like, all right, I'm going to flip it on because Moncada's at the plate. I get an alert. Moncada's at the plate. He's got two on and no out. And I walk in to the house and I flip the TV on and I watch him get the hit to tie the game. And this is where my viewing experience begins. The first time I've turned on the White Sox since they were playing the Angels. I haven't turned them on. I never watched them. I needed a break. I need, I got I got up here and I just sat on a boat and let the waves rock me into a, a gentle peace. And I'm like, I'm going to watch this. This is a big series. I've been waiting for this series. I'm, I'm going to get in here. I'm going to watch this. We're going to get a big hit here. There's no outs. There's two on. Th- this is it. This is where we break it open against this Twins team. We're on a roll. You know, a couple minutes after I flip this thing on, I watch the first ever 8-5 triple play in the history of baseball occur and everything about the play on Monday night that sunk the White Sox and that is the play that sunk them they easily are going to get one run in that inning they probably should get two of them 
the runner should at least the runner should advance. Angle should be able to tag and go to third with one out. I don't even think extra innings occurs on Monday night if you don't blow that so badly. And that entire moment was a microcosm of the White Sox. That's Tony Larusa's White oh, yeah. Sox. You can't say he hasn't made it his team yet. He had them all last year. This is this manager, this coaching staff, this general manager's White Sox. It's a team that's got a, a low baseball IQ. It's a team that makes excuses. It's a team that has uh, coaching staff that doesn't seem to be capable of just doing the simplest things. I mean, where's where's your first base coach and your third base coach during that play? What are they yelling? Are they yelling anything? I don't see Super Joe put up his hands over at third base until well after Angle is on his way to third. Like, he's basically at third base, not tagging up. And, he, and he's excruciatingly close to second. I mean, if there's any doubt whatsoever, just just tap the base, right? Mancada's already at second at that point. I don't know what he's watching. I mean, he doesn't even come halfway or look at it. That's what this team is. It's a bad baseball team. It's a badly coached baseball team. This is a baseball team that makes dumb plays. This is not a team that goes out and wins a championship. This is a team in which the guy who's considered to be the lifeblood of your team, one of your one of your star players, he's in national television commercials, Tim Anderson, at the end of a game, which has been very frustrating, sure. But for crying out loud, there's a drop third strike at the end of the game. You just walk back to the dugout. Everybody from the umpire, the catcher, the pitcher, the players on the field, the announcers, Benetti and Stone, they're trying to figure out what you're doing. You don't even go and make an effort. Maybe the guy throws the ball over the first baseman's head. I mean, 99 out of 100 times, they're just going to throw you out on the drop third strike. But you just walk back like, ah, forget it. I don't care. That's what this team is. That's what this team is. And you're sitting around and you're watching it and every night it's the same thing. I mean, I don't know if I'll turn it on. I don't know if I'll turn it on tonight, on Tuesday night. I'm going to have to start watching from afar because it, it, I'm too much of a fan that it breaks my heart to continue to watch this garbage that is being put on the field. And then listen to the excuses, Ed. I mean, Ozzie Guillen, they go to the mid-game break, and he loves Yohan Mankata so much. We've talked about this on the show, how protective he was of him just a couple of weeks ago on, on television, right? And, and, and he's on TV trying to tell you that Byron Buxton made such an incredible play that, well, it's all totally understandable. No, it isn't. I've seen plays like that all throughout the year in, in highlight reels. It's not like that was something that nobody, he, you're telling me none of these people even thought it was possible he could catch that? Is that, is that, that's similar to Tony LaRusso not understanding that Byron Buxton hits nothing but home runs against the White Sox. I think he's six for his last six games against the White Sox. We keep pitching to him. All right. At some point, the excuses are, that's all they are. They're just blind excuses right now for a poorly coached team that plays baseball badly. I love the fact that everyone's saying the Twins pulled off this triple play, which is almost apologetic for the White Sox. They don't get that triple play if anyone's paying attention. And I'm with you. I watched Byron Buxton make that catch. I'm not going to say it wasn't a great catch. He did a fantastic job getting that ball. But how many baseball plays have you seen in an outfield where the center fielder, the right fielder, left fielder, whoever's out there, has their back turned to the infield, they make an over-the-shoulder catch, they bounce into the wall. What's the one thing you can pick up if they don't make the catch? The ball popping out and running away from them. You didn't see that there. And by the time you get back, you, it, it's not, it wasn't even a, a hit and run. By the time you get back, you see that Engel, you're right, is at third. And Moncada, by the time they throw it back in and tag Engel out, Moncada's standing at second base like he's the, the fielder. 
I, I don't I, I don't know where he was or what he was trying to do or if he just gave up on it. And by that time, he's toast, so fine. But it wasn't a hit and run where the runners are in motion and Pollock hits one, Buxton makes a great play, and the guys are hung out to dry. That makes some sense from a baseball standpoint. Daryl Boston's job in that situation as a first base coach is to watch the ball and guide the runner on first base. Joe McEwing's job as the third base coach, because the ball and the player behind Adam Engel, is to watch and yell to Engel whether to go or not. And if he's and, and this is where McEwing, again, this coaching staff sometimes infuriates me because McEwing sends guys at the wrong time. It's like he he's lost his depth perception or something. He can't judge what's going on. Most outs in baseball at home plate. That's your third base coach. If you think we're picking on the guy for no good reason, most outs at home plate in all of baseball. Okay, you can't tell me he's a capable third base coach. And what you can't. and McEwing's that the job there. Let's say that Buxton doesn't come down with that, and you end up with the bases loaded in that situation. Is that really the end of the world? Does Engel have to score? Also, Adam Engel supposedly one of your fastest players. So even if he has to hold back and wait. At that level of depth in the outfield, there's still a chance that Engel could come around and beat the throw. And at least, you know, McEwing's got a chance to do his favorite thing and get a guy thrown out at home, which he's done more than any other third base coach in the league. So it, he loves it. He loves that's it. That's maddening enough. But then the way the game goes from there look, the Twins are obviously leading the division. They are not a bad team. That narrative is done. They are a young team that has a lot of talent. And they're a problem for the White Sox this year and, and going forward. Same thing with the, with the Guardians. Same thing with Cleveland. But you have an opportunity in that game to take it back from you. You have the home advantage in that game. And by the time you get to extra innings and fine, you don't score in that inning. You end up going to extras. It's mismanaged again in the 10th. You have an opportunity right off the bat to make a move that makes a lot of sense given the fact that Luis Arise is this basically this contact machine in a situation where you're going to, you know, any kind of contact you give up to the guy it has, you know, an overwhelming chance to score that run from second base. But they don't take advantage of the fact that you could just put him on first, right? And manage it that way. Other teams have done that to the White Sox. They've started off extra it was an intentional walk. They've seen yeah. the White Sox. The Rangers did it to them. The Rangers did it to the White Sox. And they they put the dangerous hitter on first base so they can get to the guy that's more likely to hit into a double play or isn't as dangerous. Other teams do that. I mean, I we don't do that. We have a Hall of Fame baseball person who sees a different game than the rest of us are watching. But the other teams do this. And you know, and it, it, it's so frustrating to watch the team because I think most of us any of us who have been baseball fans and have watched the game and grown with the game over the years and learned new things about the game have, have been open to things like different statistical ways to picture a baseball player and different strategies. Look, we're all sitting here learning how extra innings works in the same amount of time as Tony La Russa, And I think fans are frustrated that they have a better understanding as to how to handle that at the back end, then he seems to be able to handle it. Now, we're going to get into that in a second, but I, I, I wanted to tell you a little experience here up at the lake. Uh, one, of the, one of the great things that my parents put in the uh, section of the, the home that, that my family stays in is there's a shower that has a seat in it. Oh, I love it. I, took, I did a, a sit-down shower 
And I've decided all my showers should be sit-down showers. And I'm not, like, right now I don't need it for any good reason. Yeah, you're, you're perfectly capable of standing in a shower, right? No, yeah, but why do it? That's my question. <laughs> okay, After, well, that's, that's a good question. <laughs> why do it? You know, I sat down, like, you know, I, was in, I sat in the shower and I was like, man, this is, I'd much rather, this is very relaxing, you know? I, I, can, I, can, I can see, like, halfway through the shower, I take a nice two, three-minute break. Just kind of just kind of sit down, just kind of gather my thoughts as the, as the water drips on me, okay? Uh, if you're looking for something like that, or let's say you medically need it, or you have a, a parent that, that needs things as they're, as they're getting around the home, high-at-home medical equipment, they've got everything from the CPAP machines, they do diabetes control, they have all the equipment for that, but they also put, like, the chairs that, that bring somebody from the first level, the home to the second level, the home and run along the stairs. They have retrofitting for your bathtub, your shower, easier way to get in, get out, hand railings. You know, the whole idea is you want to stay independent in your home. If you're if you're injured, if you're, if you're suffering from something, or if just like old age is catching up, all right, they can take care of that for you, keep you in your home, and, and actually like do it at a really good price. In fact, if you mention socks in the basement, you get money off. Reach out to them today. First of all, check out the website, hhme.com. That's high at home medical equipment hhme.com or stop into their showroom once again mention Saks in the basement get that discount 3518 west 95th street high at home medical equipment now i sat in the shower after the the game on monday night because i needed to go in there and just take a moment you know what's dad doing he's in the shower why the white Sox broke his heart again he's just sitting in there he's he's sobbing that's that's what's happening. <laughs> Have you seen something that makes you think they can do this? No, I, I I really I really haven't seen anything that that suggests that they are ready to turn a corner. And injuries are the one thing I think a lot of people hang their hats on. That you know, it, well, when we get healthy, but really right now you have two guys that are are out of the lineup that were intended to be you know big parts of the offense and big parts of the team. And that's Aloy Jimenez and Yasmani Grandal. But when Grandal was playing at the beginning of the season, he was splitting time with Reese McGuire. So I'm not entirely sure what to make of Yaz being off the team right now because I'm not entirely sure he was on the team at the start of the season anyway, the way they were using him. And Aloy, you know, maybe Aloy makes a difference in some of these games if he's hitting the way we expect him to hit. I, I'm not going to say that that hasn't had an impact. But there comes a point, though, where, you know, you look at, again, you look at things that they can control. You can't control the injuries. But when you're trying to project that a team can turn around, you look at what they can control. And you get situations circling back to the extra inning stuff, okay? They're now four and six in extra innings. They played 10 extra inning games. And when they have been the home team, there has not been an extra inning game that they have not given up a run to the opposition, before they've had to come up to, to the at-bat. They have not been in a situation to walk it off, except for in like the 12th inning or something like that, where, where they have a couple of walk-off wins. But first, they go into the 10th and they give up that run, right? Or, or one run or a couple of runs. And they have the, the, this back and forth. They haven't had a really clean extra inning game, except when they've been a, a couple times when they've been the road team, managed to score in the 10th and got the save. Okay, so it's effectively the ninth inning just repeated over again. Stuff like that, you get back to walking a guy who's a high contact hitter who has an opportunity to get you you into a double play situation, especially when you got a guy like Joe Kelly on the mound who 
throws a sinker, right? He's a ground ball pitcher, allegedly. Now, he's struggling mightily. He's not doing well. He's brutally bad. When you look at Joe Kelly and you look at his offseason signing, when you look at Garcia and you look at the three-year deal, when you look at how money was spent in the offseason, put a target right on Rick Hahn and stop saying, well, Tony, Tony this and Tony that. You can't tell me that Rick Hahn is still sitting around in the front office and he's not allowed to choose which players that he wants. He has no input whatsoever. You got to look at the GM at that point. You got to say, man, oh, man, you... What's going on with our with our talent evaluation? What's going on with that group? That I'm sure it's like a whole group of them. They get together to have conversations. I mean, who's the voice in the room that was saying the opposite? Because that guy should be promoted. Well, and that's that's what I'm talking about when you talk about the things that they can control. You can control your roster, okay? You can't control a team not wanting to make a trade with you. You can't control, you know, again, injuries or underperformance. But you can certainly make sure that you have options behind you. And the Sox struggled at the beginning of the year with not having enough depth to cover some of these injuries and trying to come up with guys to come in and play these situations because, again, they set themselves up with their big signing to cover second base was two utility infielders that are, in Harrison's case, really on the downslope of his career. He's done much better lately, but it's taken him an awful long time to get up to speed. And then Larry Garcia, who has made a very lengthy career on the White Sox of being a guy off the bench, but you sign him like a starter. You can control those things. I'm sorry, you can. And the Sox don't take advantage of the stuff that they can control and putting things in it, that are in front of them into, into motion the way that a regular team, a competent team, seems to be able to do. They're just sitting back, relying on talent. They are waiting. I feel like this team is just waiting for someone to be so talented that they take over the games. And they've got guys who, in theory, could do that. But sitting here waiting for Tim Anderson to win ball games for you when Anderson himself seems to be struggling and checked out of what's going on this season, right? Or sitting here waiting for Jose Abreu to come back and become an MVP. I think you're right about, you know, Abreu, what, what has got to be going through his head here, right? This is, this is potentially his last season. With the team. If you're Jose Abreu right now, everybody's sitting around going, well, of course you sign Abreu. Or they're having this argument over like what you're going to do when he becomes a free agent next year. If you're Jose Abreu, do you have any belief that sticking with the White Sox, especially if they don't make major changes to their roster, that this team is ever going to win you a title? He's sitting there watching this. He can't be happy with what he's seeing. He's been He's seen way too many baseball games. And he's looking around right now going, what the heck is going on here? What am I a part of? What am I going to do next year? Because I'm going to tell you this. You can't just walk out with the exact same thing next year and sit there and tell me, well, it was because of these injuries, but we'll be good now. Our managers all of a sudden going to know what to do. All of our guys that play down are going to play up. All of our injured guys are never going to get injured. We don't need to make a change in, it in any way to anything. And we're just going to go ahead with what we We're going to make a couple of minor cosmetic changes. And don't worry, guys with bad years will bounce back, even though they're all a year older. And especially the ones around the other side of 30 are going to probably decline more because that's what you would expect to happen because that's what happens generally with any player on the back end of their career. And and Jose Abreu, I'm sure sitting he had a look after that game on Monday night of like, what the heck is this? You know, I'm doing everything I can here. Where, where's the, where are the rest of these guys at? So I, I think, I think that there's got to be an incredible amount of frustration for him. I want to, I want to say to one guy that has been such a surprise when we talk depth, because you got to bring up the good or people think you're too negative. Semi Zavala, this guy coming up and, and, and jumping into the catcher's role 
I know originally we were all wondering whether or not that that kid that was down in AAA that was tearing it up was going to be the guy that was going to come up, and people were like, why bring up Zavala? They made the right choice there. Yeah. They, they made an incredible choice bringing him up. 333 with an 873 OPS. He's one of the best hitters on your team in that small sample size. You know, I mean, he's only had 56 plate appearances. He's only played in 17 games this year. But, I mean, he's a bright spot right now. Now, unfortunately, because this team can never accept that something they planned on ahead of time is not how it really worked out, I guarantee you they'll keep McGuire when Grandal comes back and they'll send Savala down. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm almost sure. 100%. And, and it's, it's so stupid. And it's something that no good baseball team that was well-run would do. But Reese McGuire will be sitting on this team along with Yasmani Grandal in a couple of weeks when he comes back. And Reese McGuire, Reese McGuire will be almost splitting time evenly with Yasmani Grandal again when, when Grandal comes back. They'll wait until Zavala has a bad two, three days, and they'll use that as their excuse to make the moves that they're going to make. I don't think I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we're sponsored. We're brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. They want to keep water out of your basement. They want to keep your foundation safe. They do it all. And if you mention socks in the basement, you get a discount. Phone numbers right there on the logo, 708-330-4466 or check them out at familydry.com. Had a good time out there during the 4th of July Independence Day Parade in Evergreen Park that was actually on Friday the 1st. A lot of fun. Just a great setup. Really like hanging out with Ken and Maria, uh, the husband and wife that own the place and uh, and all their staff. Just had a blast out there. Uh, I've been traveling everywhere. To all the places you hear here on Sacks in the Basement, I travel. I go and I see them. Hailstorm Brewing Company, the official brewery of Sacks in the Basement, a great spot located out in Tinley Park. 8060, 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue. I was just out there uh, just before I got to the lake, Ed. I went out, I bought yeah. a uh, I bought a swimming pool for the family. And the place that I bought the swimming pool uh, from was like right by Hailstorm. And so I, I dragged dad over there. Well, so you got to stop in. Yeah, you got you to gotta go there too. Dad lives in Mount Greenwood and he don't go that far out in the Tinley Park. And I swear he sat at the power and he's like, why don't I have one of these near my house? This place is great. He, like, he sat there the entire time going, this place is great. He's like, I like the bar. I like the beer. He isn't even a craft beer drinker. He found something that he liked. It's called uh, Hotel Life. I mean, my dad, who's like a Miller Lite drinker, is sitting there and he's like, man, if this place was up the street from me, I'd come up here and drink this all the time. Get away from your mother. <laughs> he was on a roll. Yeah. He's sitting up there. He's on a roll. Okay. It's, it's amazing how it's amazing how the stuff like that comes out over a good beer, right? Oh, yeah. You have a, you have a beer with dad. You hear about everything. Yeah. You yeah. know, he used to tell me that when he took me to White Sox games. That's how he would find out what was going on in my life, especially when I was a teenager. He was like, take your kids to a ball game, just you and them. Nobody else, just one-on-one to a ball game. And somewhere about the third or fourth inning, you'll start to hear about everything. They'll, they'll almost start confessing stuff that you're like, why are they telling me that they're up to this, right? Because they just get so comfortable at the ball game. He was like, I learned so much about what was going on in your life and your sister's life at White Sox games. Okay, especially because some of those times that we would go to White Sox games, the team was terrible. I mean, we've only been we've only won a pennant once in the 40 years that Jerry Reinsdorf's owned the team. So throughout my entire life, generally not a very good team, generally a team that looked really good on paper and then some scrappy team that had a lower payroll or had wasn't expected to do well, beat them. 
A lot of times it was the Twins. Sometimes it was the Indians, even though in the 90s, the Indians were supposed to win. But I mean, it, it happens a lot. What's happening this year is very normal to me. This is the more normal what the White Sox are. This is what the Sox are to longtime fans. There's nothing new about it to me. All right. That's why it's easy for me to sit there. And I'm sure it's easy for you and most fans that are out there to look at this team and say, I know what this team is, especially after Monday night. But we're sitting there and we're, we're chit-chatting. We saw Will Turner. Uh, he's the new brewer over there at Hailstorm. He's making a ton of new beers and tweaking their classic styles. He's doing a great job, though. Big tap room, outdoor patio, fire pit for chilly evenings, live music on the weekends, trivia nights. They they have socks in the basement swag there. I drop it off whenever I can. Uh, they've got this primo Mexican lager, which is spectacular whenever it's hot outside. Uh, make sure you check out Morley. It's in honor of the Mokina Orland Tinley area. It's American brown ale. That's basically an English brown with extra hops in it. Follow them on Facebook at Hailstorm Brewing Co. or visit them today at hailstormbrewing.com. Uh, getting back to that, I, I I think that I think that that's also something that that separates the fan base a little bit. I've been trying to think about this a little bit, and I think that it's generationally people view the team different, right? Like if you grew up and you were a little kid and you watched them win the 05 World Series. I think you have more faith that you're going to get another World Series, right? But if you are our age, we're in our 40s, or you're older, you sit there and say, that was a great season. We got kind of lucky. There were career years from everybody, right? Like John Garland's greatest year ever. Oh, yeah. Jose Contreras' greatest stretch ever. Okay. Freddie Garcia, the, the brightest the bulb had gotten right towards me at the end of a pretty good career. Okay. But he was on fire. Joe Creedy before his back gets injured. Tadahito Aguchi out of nowhere. Bobby Jenks, they found in the woods. And they brought him out halfway through the season. Literally, they found him in the woods. I mean, <laughs> they went and knocked on his cabin door. There were probably spent kegs all over the front lawn. He comes walking out wearing, like, you know, the skin of something he killed. That's how I imagine Bobby Jenks coming out. He's already lost some of the English language. He's speaking mostly in grunts. And they kind of get him back going in the civilization. They put on regular clothes. And they they tell him, throw the ball hard, Bobby. And he throws the ball hard. I mean, Tata, uh, who was it? Neil Cotts and Cliff Polite, for God's sakes. They're, they're best seasons by a million miles. Right, exactly. Okay. I mean, I, I never, forget, uh, never forget who the closer was going to be. Shingo Takatsu would come out with that weird Frisbee pitch. That did, he, he started, he shows up in like 04, nobody can hit him. He shows up in 05, everybody's got film on him, they destroy him, he's gone in a month and a half. That was your closer. I mean, oh, yeah. that team on paper was like the best fourth place team in baseball. Like Shingo somehow had 31 games for the 2005 White Sox. I still can't figure that out, but right. 597 right. ERA. So, so think about it. Like that was a team that at the beginning of the year, trust me, Nobody thought they were going to win a World Series that year. No. There were no expectations. None at all. They got off to that insane start. Frank Thomas, you got to remember, is killing the ball for the first couple of months. And then he gets injured for the season, right? Oh, you yeah. Carl Everett telling you that, that, uh, that demons, demons instructed by Satan were putting dinosaur bones under the ground to fool all of us. Truthosaurus, as they started calling him. Right. And he's hitting in the three spot. That team shouldn't have won anything. And they have this magical season. So I think like if you were an adult at that point, if you had watched a lot of baseball leading up to it, if you were around even as a kid when Tony was here the first time. If you remember, if you remember how the 83 team turned into absolutely nothing by 1984. Right. If you remember the early 90s teams and and the disappointment in 93 and 94. If you remember the 2000 team being a flash in the pan. 
2005 was just, you're right, as an adult, it was this unreal, I can't believe this is happening to me and my team. The 2000 team, in my mind, was never going anywhere. Like, I, I was already jaded by the 2000 team. Okay, oh, yeah. you're putting Jim Parquet out there, and you're telling me that that's the, that's the guy who's going to lead you against everybody else's ace? Come on. Like, I mean, like, I, I kind of, I remember watching that team going, well, we'll see how far this goes. Well, we got the answer. We got the answer to that. Not I think far. there's a section of the fan base that has a greater under. I mean, just because we've been hurt more, right? Yeah. But like sits there and says, this is normal. And I think when we did the rebuild, everybody got in their mind. Well, look what the Cubs did. They did a rebuild. We had listened to it nonstop on the radio for years and years. We had to experience the entire thing. We had to watch the whole city go crazy in 2016. So we'll just do a rebuild. And if we do a rebuild, it's an automatic world championship we're going to get. But what we left out of the equation was this function that is the Chicago White Sox, the team that will take something good and just ruin it. Like, I mean, it'd be by mismanagement, bad coaching, terrible decisions in the front office. It, it, what What's going on now with this team? You know, the excuses. I love the excuses. It's always somebody else's fault except for the people that are in charge. And so it's not as shocking to me as I sit back and I relax and I'm I'm here at the cottage and I get a little perspective and I turn off the phone for a couple of days. You get to and, sit down in the shower, you know, all those things. Right. I, I get to sit in my shower and, you know, and, and enjoy that. And, you know, I mean, and I could sit there and just talk baseball with my dad and my brother-in-law and like, you know, all the noise cut out. Nothing. I'm not surprised by what has happened here. I'm, I'm upset about it. I'm disappointed in it. I, I did believe, I believe Luis Robert was going to be an MVP candidate. He's basically at an OPS of an average baseball player right now. The, the, the average OPS in baseball, I think, is about two points off of what Louis Robert's doing. Yeah, that doesn't mean he's a terrible guy or I you know dislike him personally. I'm, I'm disappointed. He's having a down year this year. Okay, but the problem with the White Sox is they expect everything to go perfectly, right? They, they go, you know what? Everything's going to go exactly right. We're not going to have any injuries. We're going to win a World Series. And, and I think realistic baseball fans will sit there and say, that's not how baseball works. And I don't fault people who grew up on a World Series, remember it with a childlike innocence, and then believe because of what happened with the Cubs that a rebuild just instantly equals a championship. But if they weren't jaded before, they're about to join the jaded White Sox uh, uh, group that I've been a part of for decades. So welcome, all of you. And you can thank the people running this team for introducing you to all of us. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com. Oh, Tony's got a sit-down shower. I'm sure he's got one of those. Hey, you if know not, what? he's I, listening right now. You are not. And he's a, like, yeah. You are not a legit Hall of Fame guy if you haven't done the sit-down shower. <laughs>